Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the walls of world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finish number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J-Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey, this Brian's up. Summer is finally here, and if you're like me, you've got some serious riding planned. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, metric cruiser, or sport bike, you'll find what you need at Dennis Kirk. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets, too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. You're not a very good backup singer. Yeah, I'm a lead singer, not a backup singer. <laughs> I could do doo-wop, doo-wop. I could do that. I should get you in the studio and we'll dub in some backup vocals. That would be on this thing. That would be fun. Well, we could do that. Our special guest is an old friend of mine, Tom Ryan. He happens to be Paul and Andrew's cousin. Probably one of the best car salesmen I've ever met. Wow. And I do a little work for him on the side. He has a sales training company where he teaches uh, dealer groups all over North America that are interested in becoming one-price uh, selling dealers. But there's more. 
There's more? He's also a huge... How can there be more? He's a huge <laughs> book collector and Ooh, a great storyteller, so I'm just going to wind him up, and he actually knows a lot of people that you know. This story is really centered around Jack Jablonski, because Tom's kids went to school oh, with okay. him, and he stepped in after the accident. I'll turn it over to you to tell this story. Wow. Thanks, Doug. Um, you know, it, it takes back uh, takes me back a little ways, because I think it was... I don't remember, but I think it was in December of 2010 when Jack got hurt, right before the new year. And so I had three kids that went to BSM, Benilde St. Margaret. My oldest had already graduated. One was in Jack's class, Michael and Ellie, a couple of years younger. And so when Jack got hurt, it, it really kind of rocked. It rocked the whole community, I yeah. would say, uh, more so than just BSM. It was kind of the alignment of uh, the perfect storm. And I remember um, after the holiday, I, I actually had never met Jack or Mike or Leslie Jablonski. And yet my kids were so shaken by this, they came to me literally in tears and said, you know, I don't think Jack will ever walk again. And is there anything we can do to help? And so I said, well, you know, nobody's going to write a check to make Jack walk again. And so the question is, how do we kind of accommodate the family and, and make things a little easier? And so I got to thinking, I was actually at the health club working out, and I thought, well, an easy one to lay up in the car business would be, it's not likely Jack's coming home uh, in anything other than a wheelchair at that point. So I right. called my cousins, Paul and Andrew, and said, you know, would you put up some money? And I called uh, Maury Wagner, who's a wonderful man. He owned the Maury's Automotive Group. He threw in some money. And I called David Luther and uh, combined, the, I bet they threw in $100,000 or so. Mm -hmm. And we went and bought Jack a uh, Honda van and had it all accessed for handicap, which to this day, I think he's still driving. That's and great. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool that everybody, the community kind of stepped up. So as I was thinking, I've collected books, gosh, for 30, 40 years, and um, I've got thousands of them at home. And so I told my uh, wife, I said, you know, I will reach out to some of the authors, and if they're willing to sign books, I will donate them, and we'll see if we can raise some money. So I got home on a Saturday, and I asked my wife who would, she's wonderful, she has all the stationery, all the fancy stuff that a guy would never have. And I said, so can I get a nice piece of stationery, a card, and I'm going to write a note. And she said, who are you going to write it to? And I said, uh, Harper Lee. And she said, well, good Love luck it. with that. Love it. And so literally I went online to try to do a little research to find out where Harper Lee lived. And the answer was, I really couldn't find anything. I tracked her sister down to Monroeville, Alabama. So I, I wrote a note explaining what I was attempting to do. I addressed it Harper Lee, Monroeville. I picked the middle of three zip codes, no address, and fired this thing off. And so a uh, 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 hope and a prayer. That as is I, a hope and a prayer. Yeah, uh, about three weeks went by, and, I, and I'll never forget, Saturday I came home, pulled up, opened the mailbox, and there was a letter from a law office. And, of course, I went, God uh -oh. damn it, now what? Um, <laughs> Not again. What did Doug do now? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who's after me? Uh -huh. And uh, I opened it, and it was a letter from uh, Bug Barnett, Carter, and Lee, which was the law offices that Harper Lee's father founded, who was the Atticus Finch in oh, the actual yeah. book. And right. so it was from a woman named Tanya Carter. And she said... 
Um, Nell was moved by your story, but has been out of the public eye for 60 years and doesn't sign books any longer. However, if you would enclose a letter from his priest or principal and send it with the books, she'd be happy to sign them. Oh, my God. That's phenomenal. And so I sent off. So at this point, I I didn't know the Jablonskis, so I thought I better check in to see how they're going to feel about (laughs) this particular idea. And so I called Mike Jablonski. and He's a wonderful man. And so we've become really good friends. And literally, he was very moved to tears that she would do this for him. And so I packaged up all the T-shirts, not that... Nell and Alice, her sister, who's 102 years old, who was her attorney, um, <laughs> and they live together. And so I sent all of this stuff down with the books, and it took months, literally, to get these back. And in the interim, um, I had kind of befriended uh, Tanya, and over the years, we became very good friends. And at one point, she knew that I traveled all the time and asked if I was ever in Alabama. And I said, Sure. I'm never in Alabama. But um, in this case, I would always be in Alabama. And so anyway, she said, how would you like to come down and have lunch with Nell? And oh, my God. How great is that? Yeah. And so literally, she said, well, I, so we set up a date. And she said, why don't you fly into Mobile and then drive to a little town called Atmore. And when you get to Atmore, send me a note. And I'm like. Send you a note. Yeah, exactly. Like, how about just telling us? Carrier pigeon? Yeah, right. And so I I emailed her, actually via my phone, when I got to Atmore, which was an hour and a half drive, I would say, out of Mobile. And she said, great, now come to Monroeville, and there's a Walmart. And when you get there, send me another text. And I'm like, come on. A little secretive. Yeah, exactly. So now I get there, and... Through this, um, now when I get to the Walmart, she says, come to the center of town. And it's just like the movie. The courthouse sits in the center of town. And she said, go all the way around the square. There's a nondescript brick building. And there is a door there. And I'll meet you there in 15 minutes. And I'm like, good God. Um, so almost, anyway, I do. Yeah, and it's the it's office like of... giving ransom. Yeah. It, it turns out it's the office of Bug Barnett, Carter, and Lee. And so Nell is not there. We go in there, and she said, I'm waiting for a package. And I said, can't they just drop it off? And she said, you know, we don't give this address to anybody. Right. She said, we've had people uh, impersonate postal, UPS, uh, everything yeah. trying to get to uh, Nell. So she said, I'm, let's wait 15 minutes. And so she walked me into Nell's office and said, why don't you just have a seat? And, and so she was in the next room, and I kind of yelled to her and said, is there anything off limits? And she said, no. And I said, then I'm going to put this medal on, which was the Medal of Freedom given to her by President Bush. And it was Whoa. sitting in a cabinet right there. <laughs> and so I, I had to squeeze myself to sort of say, gosh, you know, how did this all happen? So anyway, we went over and met with Nell. And she was at that time your typical 800-year-old five-foot lady <laughs> with a bad $8 haircut. Um, and so it's one of those things that you want to be careful about meeting your heroes because yeah, here's yeah, a, sure. um, an older woman um, who obviously very, very successful. And um, at that time, they were going through a whole bunch of issues about 
whether or not Tanya was kind of uh, elder abuse issues oh. that were actually oh, opened really? up. Yeah, because no one could get access to Nell. She had a new book that was published called mm-hmm. Ghost Head of Watchmen. Right. And so it was a it was a really interesting kind of time. I had obviously she sent me a copy, signed copy of Ghost Head of Watchmen as well for oh. Christmas the year it came out, which I can't imagine Amazing. there's many of those. And she sound, signed just a whole bunch of books. One of the unique things through this is she had asked for a, a photo book of Jack, and when I got down there, the Jablonskis had put it together, and it was on Harper Lee's mantle. Oh, God, how great. And I thought, how cool is that? And so anyway, sort of to finish it up, I got back to her office, and I asked her, and I said, Tanya, how how did it happen that I happened to end up in Monroeville in (laughs) Nell Harper Lee's office? And she J- said, J.D. Oh. Solinger was busy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Busy. And so I, uh, women. I uh, said, she said, well, come here, I'll show you. And so we walked down the hallway and there was kind of a two foot long box by maybe a foot and a half, foot and a half high. And it was completely full of mail. And she said, this is one week's mail. We get somewhere around 100,000 pieces a year. Oh. Really? Yeah. And yeah. she said, I've been here 17 years and it's my job to take care of this. And I said, so you respond to them. And she said, well, go ahead and ask me how many I've responded to. And I said, let me have it. And she said, in the 17 years, I've responded to one. And that's yours. Really? One. And why? And she said, we get... he's a good get... salesman. He yeah, wrote a yes. hell of a <laughs> Honest to God, I have no idea. She walked by, she said, and she reached down in the box the only time ever, op- picked one out, opened it, it was mine. Oh, my God. She had a nephew that had been paralyzed a year earlier, oh, and I so think it connected. Yeah. And she said, I don't open them because they're mostly kind of hard luck stories. Sure. And yeah. it would be overwhelming. And so <coughs> yep. you are, she said, you are the first and only one that we have ever responded to. That's amazing. It's a wonderful story. And I thought, wow. And so then I reached out to uh, John Grisham. I reached out to Stephen King, uh, Andrew Gross, uh, John Krakauer, your friend, Vince Flynn. And I think probably 20 of them, and uh, basically, I think it was Grisham said, look, if you got Harper Lee, how could I say no? Um, <laughs> yeah, there you and go. So, uh, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And then I actually got, interestingly, I got an email from John wanting to buy four copies of, three copies, excuse me, of A Time to Kill. And he offered oh. me four thousand dollars a piece for them, his own wow. book. Not and I bad. sent him back a note and said, "Aren't they worth more? They're signed, after all." Um, <laughs> you bumped, You tried <laughs> to bump them? I did. He didn't go for it, however. For it. No. <laughs> okay. And so uh, I got back a smiley face and a thumbs down. Okay, and, there you go. And so, but it was really an interesting. Um, it, it was just kind of one of those interesting times where everything kind of aligned yeah. and then it wasn't too long after that Nell passed away right. and I had and and Tanya called me the morning to tell me that Nell had passed away which I found I was sort of imp- you know I was a, sad but I was like wow I got a phone call letting me know <laughs> uh, some average guy in Minneapolis and so Anyway, we've had quite a relationship, and it ended up being a great thing, and I'm very close now uh, to the Jablonskis, and it was uh, sad, but uh, I got to say, Jack, and I think maybe you guys have met him or talked to him. I he's a, on the show many yeah, he's times. He's show. a remarkable kid. Great guy. I have just guy. never seen this kid in my life complain about anything. 
I mean, he really is. And I, I can't imagine yeah. the trauma of waking up yeah. and having no mobility. The first time I met him, he was in a halo, and it yeah. was, it Sorry, was yeah. crazy. So uh, everybody said yes but one author, which was kind of crazy that we had one. One said Call no. him out. Who was it? Uh, Cormac McCarthy. Oh, really? Yeah. And I really like No Country for Old Men, one of my favorite books. And I have uh, guys I went to high school with um, uh, made the movie, Fargo, No Country, the Coen brothers. They're from St. Louis Park. And one of my really uh, pretty good friends from high school, a guy named Bob Hotman, who's an artist, was called out in the movie. So I called Bob and said, can you reach out to the Hotmans or reach out to the Coens and see? And their manager, I talked to him, who is the manager of Cormac McCarthy, and he said, it's not likely, but I will give it a shot. He simply never responded. So I can't say that he, you know, I mean, who knows. But he's an interesting guy, I've heard. Yeah, um, well, most authors are interesting people and know about it. And it's probably hard. They get, you know, people have their hand out all the time. Absolutely. Those sorts of things. So two things before we go to break. Um... Number one, I, I uh, have to confess I've had lunch with a very famous author, Bob Sansevier. So, you know. <laughs> you I know. forgot him. Yeah, you, why yeah. did you call Bob? He you wrote could have at book. least got five bucks. <laughs> he right. published a book. <laughs> right. An autograph. One of the, my favorite things about the Jablonskis, and I, I am sorry, what's Jack's younger brother's name? Uh, Matt. Matt. Yeah. Is it Matt? I think it's Matt. I think you're right. Yeah. I think it's Matt. So they come into the studio. They, Jack came into the studio several times back in the day. Mm-hmm. And the first time he was in there, he Max. Went, Max. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's Max. You're 100% right. So they're in studio, and, and Jack made a comment. And I said, you're an idiot. Like that, right? So we go to, and he starts laughing. He thinks it's wonderful. We go to break, and people came and said, why did you say that to him? I said, I'm not going to treat him any differently than everyone else. I'm going to treat him the same. And he really... Afterward, yeah, Tom treats everybody poorly. Yes, I treat everybody poorly. <laughs> Equal opportunity. <laughs> it pays well. Right. Jack was kind of teary-eyed, and he said, thank you for that. He actually thanked me for, for not oh, coddling you, him. Yeah, the rest of being it. condescending to him because he's in a chair, that would be horrible. And the reason, yeah. the reason I asked Max's insulting. name is that we have him on the air, and Max at the time must not have been much more about 12, I think. Yeah, he wasn't very old. Because Jack was 16, wasn't yeah. he? So yeah. Max would have been in 12, 13, something seventh like that. grade, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So I said, Max, what's up with you? And he goes, I'm on KQRS. I've always had a dream about KQ. I said, what's that? And he goes, can we play porno movie title or not? <laughs> <laughs> I think we got to take a break. <laughs> we got to take a break. He actually did. And the whole family just broke out laughing. It was wonderful. Funny. We'll be right back. More with Dougie and Tom and everybody. Car selling secrets. And the rest. Dan Chesky's here from Dan Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dance Outside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. 
Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listener? Our customers at Homeco Insulation and Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank. When they were referred to us, we knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike, and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member fdic and equal housing lender you all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in mike lindell to give you a great night's sleep mike's latest incredible deal is on the giza dream sheets which you've heard me rave about before that's for sure these sheets are made from the world's best cotton giza they are ultra soft and breathable yet extremely durable right now the giza dream sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back. Dougie's here. Car selling secrets. Yeah, we've got a live call-in line if anybody wants to call in with questions, comments, or criticisms. It's always available 612-295-1526. That's 612-295-1526. We'll get to car stuff in a minute, but I, I, this book stuff is really fascinating. It so is, yeah. if you're not in the know, the collectib- the most collectible book- books are first edition. So it's the first time a book gets published, and you know the run can be really small up to fairly large for a well-known author. But generally, when you're starting out, they're pretty small runs. And the most collectible of first editions are ones that are signed by the uh, author. So I think we should have Tom tell the story of why John Grisham would buy his own book that he wrote, published, and signed back from Tom for $12,000. Uh, three of them, actually. So it, it, that was an interesting story, which I, I actually went to John's office out in Charlottesville, uh, which was actually very cool. It overlooks the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains. And so it's all windows on one side. And the interesting thing about it, there's no one actually works there, but um, it's just a big it's office. Like here. Yeah, that's right. Office. Well, it's like our, our <laughs> office, right? Nobody works. But uh, be- oh, in the middle of the office <laughs> was um, he had these, I want to say there were five rooms that had glass panels on one end, open on the other with a solid wall. And he had... The furniture from uh, each one of the movies, The Chamber, The Firm, Runaway Jury, and The Client, and, and such. And so he had a scene from each one of the movies set in his office, and on the wall were all of the stars during the shooting of it. Mm. And so it was a, it was a fascinating uh, kind of thing to see. And so I asked uh, John how 
he came to uh, get to me to get these books. And I met a woman uh, who owned that bookstore in Blytheville, Arkansas, because I was trying to get books signed. And uh, her name is Mary Gay. And she had access to Grisham. And so he was signing books for me via Mary Gay. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of those books. And so she reached out to him. He agreed to sign books for Jablonski. And then he sent me an email. And when I got the email, Literally, I, I, it was from John Grisham, and I thought, well, of course it is. I thought it was johngrisham.com or something yeah. Yeah. telling me he had a new – and it, it was from him saying you know, that he had seen these books. And anyway, so I asked him how this came up. And so when he wrote A Time to Kill, which was 1989, he self-published, and he was in the House of Representatives in Mississippi, I believe, at that time. And he said with nothing to do but write, because he had lots of time and yeah. was killing it in the courthouse. And so he wrote the book, self-published, printed 5,000 copies, and he couldn't get, he made a deal with four bookstores. Mary Gay owned one of them. And the deal was that they would sell the books, and if they couldn't sell them, he had to buy them back. So the book it's didn't sell. It's the same sell. deal Sansevier made. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. With, I think with uh, Quick Trip. Exactly. Which, which is why he's working four jobs. At the, the right. Day. And so uh, the book did not sell. John bought it back. He put them in his garage. The garage flooded, and most of them were lost. Oh, no. And during that time, he had written a second book, which was called The Firm. And The Firm That's was sold. One. Yeah. Uh, as a movie before it was published as a book. And so he got $600,000 for it in 1992. And at that time, he was rich uh, from uh, as far as he was concerned. And then Doubleday, who published The Firm, bought the rights to A Time to Kill and republished it. And so now the original first edition books... Like Doug said, the first edition, first printing are always worth the most money. Mm -hmm. And so those books became hard to get, mm -hmm. and he had none of them. And the ironic thing is actually dust jackets are worth more than books are. Is that really? right? Yeah, by far. I didn't know and that. so, yeah, so what happened was uh, recently I saw in an auction of first edition Gadsby jacket, which sold for $192,000. Oh. Um, <laughs> and so what happened was the first books that were published were generally went out to libraries and mm. they discarded jackets because they were kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. sure. And sure. they'd get sure. ripped. Yeah. And, and, they yep. rip. and yeah. so when you have a, a small run like To Kill a Mockingbird, 5,000 of those books were printed in July of 1960. Uh, most of the jackets probably are a significant number of them mm. went away. And yeah. so that was part of the yeah. challenge, actually, for uh, doing the thing with Jack was finding first edition, first printings with all of the jackets, mm -hmm. which I went out. I, I bought hundreds and hundreds of books um, to send off to all these because I, I sent complete series to all of the authors to have them signed. You're lucky you got them back. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it, you know, it's a passion. So it didn't seem sure. like much work to me. It seemed like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, that's how uh, the Grisham thing came about. And so, really, it was, uh, I, I remember it, it was tragic for Jack, um, probably good for the world, so to speak. A lot of eyes on spinal cord research, sure. money raised, and the stars aligned, and Jack got picked, unfortunately. But they couldn't have picked a better representative. 
to. And he's had some improvement from what I understand, mm-hmm. hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Catherine and I were mm-hmm. talking during the break about every now and then you do see something about yeah. Jack wiggling his toes or he'll get a little more movement yeah. in his arms. And so yeah, I think th- that's a big thing, though, to be able to get a little movement in your arms, sure. to be able to become self-sufficient. And so there are quads. Um, I think he was a C5. Um, and so I think there are quads that uh, live pretty good, normal lives, self-sufficient, live on their own, drive, do all of those sure. things. So uh, nobody's given up hope on Jack, I think. No, I, and they never he's, – he's a very – well, as you said, the entire family, really, really class people all the way, high-quality human beings. And Jack is just – from the very first time I ever met him, all those years, God, it's almost 10 years yeah. already. Oh, God. Yeah, it's amazing. But he was in a great mood. First time, I mean, here's a kid. He's, what, 17? He's in a wheelchair. Got the greatest attitude of anybody I ever met. He's like, hey, how you doing? I love your show. And he's just talking about how, how he loves the show. I'm like, really? <laughs> just a wonderful family. But, you know, you could tell by the parents that that, that was going to happen. Good parenting, really good parents. Yeah, just a interesting situation, and I think it was, it was way bigger than Benilde or Minneapolis. It sort of it got oh, a lot, yeah. of, lot of attention. It Bruce did. Springsteen flew in, mm-hmm. met with him. Did he uh, really? Yeah, yeah, I have a picture no. of uh, the boss with Jack, and I think Gretzky came, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were a lot of big eyes on this Hang on that a second. supported it. Springsteen came to town and... Uh, Picking you know, up he, some of the names you're dropping yeah. on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know here. these people, but uh, <laughs> but those are big names to get that oh, kind yeah. of attention. Yeah. Sure. You know who, Spring, who Springsteen hung out with when he came to town after that? Mm-mm. Kevin McHale. Really? Yeah, wow. Boston. Played for the South. Oh, oh yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So, and he, oh. you know, he, oh. to, to Springsteen, McHale's an East Coast guy. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, that, see, that's what people should do. You know, you're that famous, you're that wealthy, you're that well-loved, or at least well-liked. Right. Well, I, and I, I did, I believe, you know, my approach to getting that was, look, if you can sign your name to something and help some, significantly help somebody's life, I think you should. Absolutely. If you're a public figure, you know, like yep. Vince, you know, most of them were, quite frankly, thrilled to help. And so. Great Vince story for you. We go to uh, New Canaan, Connecticut for Christmas. Mitch Dolan was the president of ABC at the time. Yeah. Loved we're gonna get Christmas him. with Letterman? Isn't that where he lived? Yeah, he, he well, used to. Well, we were to, there yeah. for <clears throat> Christmas. It was around the holidays. I did say before Christmas. Okay. That's what I did say. Right. Stop fighting. Anyway, <laughs> no. we were there. So we go to New Canaan and had dinner with Mitch Dolan and Franny, his lovely wife. And then... Uh, Dirty bastard that used to own the station. He was there, yeah. and uh, Brian Williams and, and Kate Williams, Brian Williams from N- NBC, and Vince and Lisa Flynn flew out with Catherine and me. Right. So Mitch says to him before we leave Minneapolis, he goes, Vince, I, I know I barely know you, but you and you know Tom are good friends. So could I ask you? A couple of the neighbors would like you to sign a book when you come to dinner. He goes, Oh yeah, not a problem. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll sign whatever you need, right? So we get there and we're, you know, they're having drinks and a glass of wine or whatever. 
And Vince said, well, if you want me to sign those books, I can do that right now. He goes, yeah, they're in my office right here. Walks in, there are 50 books. That- yeah. Vince was gone for like two hours. Vince was gone for two hours. He missed the whole dinner because, party. Because he personalized oh, every one of them. He wow. was signing. They were all personalized. Let me ask you a question about that. Because I understand personalized books don't sell as well as ones that just are signed. Is that correct? Yeah, so interesting. So it depends on, like, I actually oh, still okay. have a book. Uh, so uh, Nell Harper Lee signed one to John Grisham. And so, oh, okay. um, so she liked to a him. Famous person yeah. So if you're John Grisham and it's signed, yeah. it's good. So I uh, also sent a book from Dougie. You're the one that sort of turned me on to James oh, Lee James Burke. James Lee Burke. And oh, so I love James Lee Burke. James Lee Burke signed a, a, several books to Harper Lee. So, so they were inscribed. So this is how I find out that Tom is a book collector. So right. I I had gotten turned on to James Lee Burke, read a whole bunch of his books. If you're the guy is uh, the protagonist is a retired uh, New Orleans uh, police detective, recovering alcoholic, living out on the bayou, and solves all these murder mysteries. It feels a little like Longmire, actually, the mm-hmm. way those books are. Written. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so I tell Tom, and I give him a couple couple of them, and. About a month later, I come into my little cube at the old corp, and there's four signed books from James Lee Burke and a note from Tom. Thanks so much. Really enjoy this guy. I said, how did you do that? <laughs> I had no idea you were a book collector until I was in. And thanks. In fact, Sarah's reading one of them right now. She says, can I read the signed one? I said, yeah, just don't scribble out the signature. And right. That would be good. Wear it with gloves. She's the daughter of a librarian, so she'll, <laughs> right. she'll take good care of it. I don't know. That that whole thing. Catherine and I are battling right now because I've got a ton of books up in the attic and she wants to give them all the goodwill. No, don't. I mean, so it's interesting. Sometimes it's, it's, <laughs> those are the books that no. show up all over no. from thrift is... shops that somebody has an original Alice in Wonderland that yeah. they don't. I mean, no, that, things. I, I, I know enough to look through them and I pull out anything that might be of any interest yeah, most of it's like if you stretching across, for athletes. <laughs> and, it is not. Yeah, you know, just dumb stuff. It's just it is not. That one's yeah, never a lot opened. of it's crap. <laughs> right. A lot of it's just I don't even the know. The Swan by Aldous Huxley. Do not give that one away. Please. Oh, I gave that one away. Right. I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. Probably long gone. That's the standing joke at our house is my kids will be lined up at half price books when I die. <laughs> yeah, um, Here, I'll save this for $10. Right, yeah. They'll all be gone. $10, they give you about a buck. Right. I think. I, I, books to me still, and it, Tom, it's kind of sad to me that books are not what they used to be. People do not like to hold a book anymore. I hate reading Kindle. Yeah, I, I like I'm, to hold with the you. book in my hand and read it. Yeah, I but love they take it. up so much room. <laughs> but there's something oh. about the smell, the feel, yeah. the, everything no about a, a hard, and I like hardcover books. I do too. And yep. so I'm, uh, you know, I think it's great, but uh, the Kindle and people are probably reading more as a result of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I, um, I don't know if they are. I hope, much, yeah, well, I hope so too. You carry around a, you know, a hardcover book traveling, it's heavy. Yeah. You know. Oh my yeah, God! It makes you, you look smart baby. compared to a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, I just bought all of Gene Shepard's books, but they were only available in, in uh, paperback. I had all the hardcovers back. I don't know whatever happened to my hardcover versions. They're probably up issue. in the library, but yeah, right there. Gene Shepard was, I guess, most famous for a Christmas story uh, book that he wrote, and then he narrated a lot of things. Um, wrote a lot for Playboy back in the day when Playboy actually had uh, Anson Mount wrote for Playboy. Well, they had a lot of writers. A lot of great writers. Published a lot of famous <clears throat> so it did, authors, right, too. Yeah. They, yeah, they did. Absolutely, they did. But, 
if you've never read Gene Shepard Beyond A Christmas Story, I, ju- I just bought them again last week, and it's just, man, that guy's funny. But uh, East Chicago, he, he grew up in East Chicago, uh, which is in Indiana. It's amazing. Was that, did he write, do patent leather shoes really reflect up? Yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> the Catholics and what, the... Have you ever read them, Tom? No, I haven't. They, the, the Catholics Great couldn't story. go on the sidewalk because yes. the public school, the, they, yep. they were the taxpayers and the Catholics. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't come on the, side. the Christmas story was, was originally a short story, right? Uh, yeah. It was all about the Red Rider BB gun. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Exactly My right. uncle was a big Gene Shepard fan. Oh, I love Gene Shepard. And they had some, I, they weren't audiobooks at the time, but I think there was just re- radio recordings of him reading his own stuff. Yeah, absolutely. He, did. he read them yeah. all. And, and I'll, I'll ruin one short story for you to try to kind of write it as guys. So it'll ruin the sh- story for you, but it's a short story. It's called The, uh, the Blind Date is the name of the story. And you read the whole thing about these friends contacted him and said, we want a blind date. And he goes, I don't want to go on a blind date. I've never met this woman. I don't want to do Or girl. He was a teenager. I've never met the girl. I don't want to go on a blind date. I just don't want to do that. And it goes on a little bit about how he finally agrees, okay, I'll go on the blind date. And they go out. And he meets the blind date, and she's this very pretty young woman, very smart, great manners and the rest of it. And the end, the last paragraph, he realizes he is the blind date. <laughs> it's a great story. I mean, it's you're the stiff here, pal, right. not her. <laughs> it That's was so, so great. Oh, what a great story. Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Our studio line is open, 612-295-1526. We should probably talk some automotive stuff, as the first two segments have been book world, which I think is a fascinating story. It's a book called The Red Ferrari. So there we go. (laughs) Now we're in. Just don't have a book in your hand while driving. Yes. That's right. Don't do that. At least not a Kindle. So here's my question (laughs) for Tom. And Tom started out selling cars like most of us did accidentally in our early 20s. And there's very few of us that were actually good at it. And Tom was one of the best and uh, really a, a great negotiating car salesman. Why did you... What got you to the whole one-price business model? Because that's the total opposite of the way we grew up and the way we were trained. Yes, our, it, our, our old job used to be to make as much money as humanly possible, really whether it was even ethical or not. Yeah, so it's interesting. So when it was first introduced to us, you know, I started with the Walzer Automotive Group back in the late 70s. So back then, Paul and I were roommates as well. And so he was my boss. So pity all the women in the Twin Cities back in those days. It was horrible. A lot of bad behavior. Um, No, out of Paul. Yeah, no, couldn't happen. Um, And so, literally, I'm not sure whether I chose the industry or it chose me, but nonetheless, my father was a partner of Jack's for a long time. And in 2000, that's when Paul and Andrew decided to go down the road of upfront pricing. And I was the director of training and had been for a number of years. And I I really wasn't terribly hip to it because I thought it would change or wreck kind of everything. Um, I I think with the Internet and the information that's available today, I'm not sure it's our choice. I think it's consumer-driven. And so when I look at it, I think it's that their customers aren't willing to tolerate the stuff that we once did. And if it's not fast, simple, easy, I don't think most people do it. I look at, you know, you, we, you and I traveled recently to Toronto to work with a group. 
And think how little interaction we have with anyone on everything we do. So when I buy airline tickets to checking in to checking into the hotel to getting the rental cars, you just don't talk to anybody. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen fast and easy, um, I don't. I think customers are shying away from it, and that's why I think. Um, Predominantly in the used car world with the compression of the margins as a result of the search criteria, if you're not on the first page of a Google search, the answer is people don't find you. The old adage, is there a page two? And the answer is nobody knows. And so nobody looks past whatever that first page is. And so in order to do that, margins have been compressed in order to simply get the visibility. And now with millennials, um, Everything in our world, you know, it's, I have a, a client out in Portland, and when I, I take the train from the airport downtown, that's where they are, I have a Safeway app. The groceries beat me to the hotel. Wow. You know, I mean, and, yeah. and that 10 years ago really wasn't a thought no. very much. And so Speaking of that, changes. I didn't ask you this question. So when we were in Toronto, we were the, Tom was there for a week, and I was there for three days kind of watching him and learning after one session, he goes, hey, let's swing by the grocery store. I want to pick up a few things. He buys three containers of yogurt, uh, two packets of pre-made Jello, yep. and two cans of Ready Whip. Yeah, and edamame. Right. <laughs> and what what for diet real? is that? Well, it's you know what? I have such a – you know I'm in the program, so I've yes. been dry for 39 years. And so I have a bit of a sweet tooth, I think, from – the absence of the 40 years worth of alcohol that I actually consumed in the first 20 years of my life. Um, and so along with everything else that made its way in there. Um, yeah, but I have just a hell of a sweet tooth. And yet I'm trying not to be as big as a house. And I travel, you know, almost every day. And so I've had 80 some trips this year so far. And so it's, yeah, I should I mean, you stuck some edamame in there. I did. So I did. Actually, good. I'm usually pretty good about it, but I love sweets. Yeah. And so I'm trying not yeah. to do is so the the I jello know it was and some stuff. sort of psychotic. No, <laughs> no. It just you know what? It doesn't have a lot of calories, and it's not terribly awful for you. Right. Okay. Right. And so that's, that's kind true. of. And I actually like yogurt. I, so. I do too. I I just it's the yeah. <laughs> but it was interesting. So we were. Um, <laughs> um, with the whole one price thing, you know, we're working with a group up in Toronto, which is the, I mean, to get your arms around it, they're the largest Porsche dealer in the world. In Toronto? And I, in Toronto. Hmm. Uh, largest a McLaren city. dealer. How do they afford it? In Toronto. Oh, my god. 80% taxes? Uh, 13% <laughs> sales tax on a car. Oh, yeah. Is that real? Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. hurt. But, I mean, to give you an idea, well, we have a little Porsche store down in uh, Wichita, and it sells five or six new cars. They did 147 new Porsches last month. So oh, that's God. unbelievable for that market. It's just an unbelievable market up there. People and don't so know. I think it's all changing. People don't know Toronto's bigger than Chicago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fourth largest city in uh, North America. In North America. Yeah, yeah. we haven't yeah. been there in probably 20 years. We wouldn't even recognize it, no. I'm sure. No, no, no. You should learn to speak Mandarin if you're going. Yeah, so all of our really? propaganda yeah. is. Really? In I thought Mandarin. it was just a bunch of old drunk hockey players, you know, slugging no. down maple syrup. <laughs> I'm like, wow, there's people here from all over the world. How did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so the whole one price thing really, uh, what's interesting for Walzer is that I grew up in what I would consider a fairly small community in Minneapolis. Um, and I've always looked at the car business as being slow and kind of ass backwards. Um, and the reality is they're re really, really solid business people that are great at 
uh, a complex sales process selling highly non-differentiated products. And when you look at people like Walzer and Dougie, you've had a little so bit of... So what he's saying is that our Corollas are exactly the same as everybody yeah. else's Corollas. And so the question is, how do you create the specialness and the differentiation in something that's not highly different? And I think the Walzers have, they really do a great job of bringing that to the market. Uh, uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul is the hotbed for one-price selling. Well, um, and you have to give yourself some of the credit. So this is what happened in 2010, 11? Oh, Maury's. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Ouch. there was a little conflict at the Walzer Automotive Group, and Tom said, F that, and Maury's had been recruiting him. So he went and taught Maury's how to be a one-price dealer. And so that's uh, – and they've been – they did a really good job with it. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, and 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 others have fallen suit in this market, but that's very unusual across the country. Usually, there's only one kind of lone soldier, right? You know, battling the tides. But I, I, you know, interestingly, Carl's now a partner, yeah, with the Walzer Automotive Group. Who Carl Schmidt was running the Maury's Automotive Group, and so they've kind of everyone came together. Everything in the family end was kind of mended, but. I think it's uh, driven by forward thinking. I think Maury's, I think Walzer, I think are really on the forefront of something that's the phone's ringing more than it's ever rang in my world about yeah. people wanting to make their car buying experiences different and easier for people. It's People are just tired of the back and forth, the BS, mm -hmm. and it just, it doesn't need to be that way. Ugh. And now you can buy a car at Walzer in less than an hour. And, and you're protected, you can't buy the wrong car, the prices are clearly marked, the people aren't paid on commission, so they price their cars, not their customers. And if you ended up buying one, you can return it. And so there is no cooling off period in the state of Minnesota. But with oh. Walzer, they you're protected. And so well, I can actually, send Catherine's my daughter. Actually, a realtor. In. So in your world, there is. So the way the the trigger closing. is if you do <laughs> if you do business at somebody's home, yes. there is a three day cooling, cooling off period. period. If you go to somebody's place of business under Minnesota law, there, there is not. And oddly enough, if you look on the internet, there's a lot of people that think they're attorneys and understand all this, but they, they don't. Right. So. so it's interesting. I think the Walzers have been ahead of that. The protection it uh, yields me is the idea that I could simply send my youngest daughter to a dealership. And I always say, Ellie, my youngest, is kind of $10,000 waiting to happen um, at a dealership, <laughs> right? I mean, mm -hmm. she, she would just get put together, not because she's a dumb kid, because she simply is an unaware consumer at 21 years old. Sure. Uh, with Walzer, the answer is nothing bad can happen. And I love that right. uh, for everybody to be able to go in there. So if Doug's a great negotiator and Catherine's not, they get the same price. And right. so it's, it, I, I always dislike the idea of pricing the customer more than the car. So depending on your inability to negotiate, we would simply take advantage of that. Yeah, in the old days when I sent friends in, it's like, okay, if Bill isn't there, run. Yeah, get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. um, and today, you yeah. don't have to worry about anything. And well, so, I don't anyway, because for the last 10 years, here's how it works for me. 
Doug, hey, Tom, you should buy this car. Me. Okay. That's <laughs> well, only been for the last 10 years. That's but that's the been. trust and confidence right. that they don't that, have most everywhere right. else. You're and so, right. Well, I don't know about drugs. It is Doug. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Well, I think with the whole world becoming more of an a la carte and everything being so convenient for people, you know, on the Internet, and you can, like you said, groceries at your hotel door before you even right. get there, people just don't want to put up with any sort of haggling anymore. No. It's just not... Uh-oh, Alex is here. It used to be kind of a sport and kind of fun yeah. for some people. And it still is for some people. Sure. There's a there's a percentage of the population that loves to do that. Hey, Alex? Not me. Not for a car. Are you a Harper no. Lee fan? I thought you were. To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah. He you, met her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should listen to this podcast. Right. The first two yeah, segments are all about book collecting. Oh, my God. It was Hold a great on. story. Back Alex, you, you have to listen to it. It was a great story. Even Andy got excited. I, I saw it. So I have one Did more he? bad thing to tell you about Tom. Which Tom? That Tom. Oh, I thought you were talking about tell that Tom about this He's Tom. buddies with Shelby. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, Tom. I, 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 like, oh, I love a great guy. Tom Yeah, he's Shelby. a great guy. He is a really great guy. Very well educated. I miss giving him so much crap. I know. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, one thing about when he Don just... was on this podcast several years ago, nobody liked to drop the F-bomb more than that. Oh, oh God. Whoa. <laughs> his, yeah. nick, his nickname was Don F.U. Shelby. Oh, <laughs> so, interesting. So I met him at the health club originally, the one I work out at, and... He's got ink on his back and ears are pierced. And yeah, no, I mean, you know, you're used to seeing him on the news, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Yeah, he really this out. So yeah, I, I the first think time I really met him was doing this guy. six or seven years ago, whenever it was, and mm-hmm. he start he, he was sitting where Cassie was, and I'm looking at him, and he's starting to talk to me and ask me questions, and I'm like, Oh, I'm not watching TV. I'm supposed <laughs> to say something. It was just yeah. the TV's talking feeling. back That's to you. Right. Yeah. It's like Miss Jean's romp room. I see it's your birthday. Yeah, How did you, you know, know he that? was there during the, the again was the perfect timing for him. The money ran out. It did. No, <laughs> you're absolutely right. It changed, and you're so right. uh, that job isn't what it was. That's right. During Don's no, tenure. no. I mean, well, Paul Don's Majors and Don, and Don Shelby were probably the last two that collected the big dough. Yeah, I don't know. Frank and Amelia probably do pretty well, but not I'm like sure that. No, those were million dollar jobs. They were. Then. Yeah, they were million, million and a half, something like that. Absolutely, they, they were. still are. It's just every, you can only get paid every ten years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much a news anchor job pays now. I don't know. I I watch the news. And I'm like, who are all these people? There's a new person on yeah, every fifteen minutes. I'm I like, I will give you a tip off why that is though. Why? And it's actually a mistake because in television, the, the numbers should actually be 40 to 80, not 18 to 49. It's ridiculous that those are the numbers they're looking for in television. The average person watching broadcast television, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, the average age of a person watching those shows is 59 years old. Really? Now that sounds bad. It sounds like, oh, that's too old. 55-plus Americans hold $231 trillion Yeah, we got all the dough. (laughs) It's true. That's where all the money is. we're not giving you any. So get off our lawn, Alex. But but television has totally mishandled that. They do not understand how to handle that audience, and I don't know why. Well, what's interesting to me is, it, you know, well, of course, journalism isn't even journalism anymore for the most part. Local news, I think, still is pretty much. But um, it used to be the trusted news source. And to trust somebody, you need to know them, and they need to yeah. have some longevity That's true. on the right. air. And if you just keep changing out for, you know, what is it, anchors.temp that they do? I don't even know. <laughs> they're not, they're not there true. for very long at all. 
You know, so weird about Don Shelby. I, I, I am an odd human being in that people send me things and I open them like five years later. I don't know. It just happens. Even like mine. <laughs> Not yours. All Christmas presents. All Christmas presents. But I, I, I opened a letter I had gotten uh, from, I think it was City Pages or Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine, one of those, about an interview that I had done with him five years ago. And Don Shelby made these comments. And I had never seen the article. So five years later, I'm reading the article, and Don Shelby's just being the greatest guy in the world, being so nice, unbelievable. So I called him. I said, thanks, Don. He goes, for what? And I said, those things you said five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> a little late. It was very, right. no, it wasn't too late. He was like, well, that's great. I, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. But that's nice. I do think the world of Don Shelby, he's a great guy. He is a good guy. Last time I saw him was at Frank Vassalero's mother's funeral, and Mark Rosen was there, and there's another guy I think the world of. And it's really interesting when you have a six foot six, about what two hundred and fifty pound guy, that hugs you and starts crying because he misses hanging out with you. Did he smell like coffee? Rosen? Yeah, he always does. Oh God, he drinks a lot of coffee. <laughs> he does I used to do commercials with him. I'm like, wow. All right, we got to take. Is this over? <laughs> it's over. It's over. I right. told you, Tom. You got to come back and talk. Do you do a podcast? You should do a podcast. You'd make a lot of dough, man. I'm telling you. People would love to hear it. You should do a a podcast about books. See, you were nervous last night. I get the text. Should I I do any preparing? No, you should, honestly, because people would love to hear your takes on all these different people you've known. The people, I mean, the fact that you even met Harper Lee is amazing. You should think about that. Uh, I'm game. It was a lot of fun. Thank you all for having me. I'll call Paul and see if we can get the advertiser for you. There you go. (laughs) Hey, cuz. Hey, cuz. How you doing? This is a show for kids with dads. We'll get to that later. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Great, great. Come back soon. I'd love to have you back on and talk more about this. Anytime. Doug, Happy that's to Car do Selling it. Secrets. You are a Episode hit. 20. I told you, I just bring in good guests and sit back and watch you guys do all the work. It's <laughs> Episode awesome. Episode 20 already? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Episode 20. I've been singing that Thanks jingle. Thanks again, Tom Ryan. Tony. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> with family. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J-Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the motor sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my 
my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Hey, this is Brian Zepp. Summer is finally here, and if you're like me, you've got some serious riding planned. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at Dennis Kirk. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. I want you guys to know, before we continue for the rest of our lives, which might not be that much longer, but the rest of our lives, every time I want to piss off Gail Fand, I'm going to go, Lieberman! Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be phenomenal. Fire Fauci! Fire Fauci! <laughs> Lieberman! <laughs> All right, joining us today, Gigi, uh, she, she got, just <gasps> got her arm twisted. Uh, Gigi is uh, guarding... Candace yeah, Wheeler. Sure is. Candace, it's a tradition the first time we're guests on this podcast that they start by telling the story of the very first car that they owned. Oh, okay. Um, I had a Ford Taurus, and I don't remember the year, but it was maroon. And yeah, I had some good times riding around Richfield in that Taurus. Okay. that. It's not a bad way to start a story, but if that's the complete thing, it's a little I told dull. you I don't know that much about cars. Dull. No, you don't have to that's know right. anything about cars. That's the whole Let's point. Let's see. I, nothing really that exciting happened in that car, unfortunately. I was kind of a it. dork. No. no, no accidents. Well, I, I thought you were going to say your, your mom or dad got mad at you because there were footprints on the windshield. Yeah, exactly. Wow. No, I was a loser in high school. Were you really? No, are you from Richfield? Yeah. You are? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, lots of trips to SA. Um, I got a boot. Super America? (laughs) Oh, my God. The one up on the hill that used to be where all the cabbies went? I don't know. The one in Richfield, man. Right Um, on. Yeah, yeah. on Lindale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because my mother lived right by there just before she died. That's where she lived. Oh, okay. The hill. And the morning crew once sent me, Tom, I'm going to blame you personally. You sent me out to interview the cab drivers. I remember day. that, and they were washing their testicles right in front of Mike. <laughs> what? Like and they were not happy to see me. No, I wonder. Gee, let's see. You got some people uh, hosing down their sack, and here's this nice Jewish boy coming in. Ah! <laughs> yeah. So they were doing that. Wait, why? What? It was, it's part of a Somali deal. I don't know why that is, but they have to wash their oh. testicles a lot or something. I didn't like. know that. Maybe it's a certain branch of them, or I don't know what the hell it is. But isn't that what they were doing with you, Mike, or was that a different time? No, yeah, that's, that's you got it, yeah. Right. I thought so, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, there was a lot of traffic, uh, a lot of traffic uh, between the cabs and the men's room that day. <laughs> of course, I just, I just innocently asked them what they were doing in there. So you had a you were you had a microphone obviously recording the deal and you walked into the men's room at Super America and people are you know, hosing down their sack, baby. Well I would I would always I didn't have a microphone well I had a microphone, but the microphone was inside the cell phone, right? Right, right. So it sometimes it took people uh people just didn't quite connect because 
their idea of a guy doing a radio thing was, you know, that I would have this big box in front of me and all sorts of wires and transmitters and things, and a, you know, and a big radio microphone. So when they saw me just talking into the phone, they got a little confused. Like the day that I got uh, that I uh, that that I created a fair amount of havoc and uh, and maybe fear and loathing inside a, a certain casino. And uh, so I was, I was doing a thing from there, and I guess I must have been uh, ridiculing the, the whole idea of the casino or something. So a guy comes up to me. I'm, I'm talking to my phone, and, and he says, uh, Hey, have you seen uh, There's some little guy here from a radio station? Have you seen him around? And, of course, this is while I was doing the remote. <laughs> of course. Said, no, I haven't seen him. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> No question about it. It's a slightly better story than I had a red Taurus. <laughs> hey, oh, it was maroon. Name. Maroon, sorry, it blew up. <laughs> the maroon Taurus, but other than that. I had a maroon Taurus, too, actually. So, really? Yeah, we got something in common. Oh, wow. That's special. That's where rental yeah, cars absolutely. go to I'll treasure this moment forever. <laughs> oh, I don't think there's any question Have you ever that. met Mike in person? You know, one of my first promotions as an intern was the um, sexiest costume contest, and yes, you were there. Oh, the sexiest mm-hmm. costume, yeah. Yeah, that was special, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, what did you go as, It was interesting. <laughs> Where was that again? Treasure Island. Yeah. Treasure Island, yeah. Treasure, I get the casinos mixed up, yeah. Um, those, those, I, I could, I'd have to, I, I could tell some stories about about the winter, but I, I, I can't tell them over the air. Why not? It's a podcast. Well, we don't just, actually you know, we... broadcast to anybody. This is all therapy for Tom. Yeah, We're all yeah, paid exactly. psychiatrists. Exactly. <laughs> I need it. The winner was someone who we sort of placed on a pedestal, and we all really liked her. Oh, and then... That's a good story. I don't remember. And well, then... I just, I, there's an ellipsis after uh, what I yes, said. Yes, yeah. there is. Absolutely. I see. What are you going to do? What can uh, we Nothing you can do. No. We have Joe on the phone. Got a car story, Joe? I built them. What do you think? Well, yes, I suppose you have a lot of car stories. And then I built another car. And then another. So far, I have probably built at least, oh, uh, five, six million cars in the last ten years. Wow. Well. That was a good story. we do about uh, ten thousand every seven or every ten days. Jesus, a thousand wow. a day. Wow. Well, minus the time that we've been down for um, chip shortages. Are you still down? Uh, no. Oh. But we have there have been we there has been some downtime due to parts shortages. All oh, right. In fact, even, there was one time. Our parts were sent to somebody else. Oh, God. Oh, that's, that's a pretty big good. mistake. Indeed, it yeah, is. Yeah, considering we paid for the fucking things. Nope. Not a negative, <laughs> but, you know. So, Doug, take over. Let's go. Yeah. I was going to ask. On your show, uh, damn it. Joe's done. I got a couple of questions for Candace. I'm very curious about. All right. So, Joe, do you want to say hi to Candace? <laughs> Hi, Candace. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hello. There you go. How are you? Great. So okay, great. what's your question? I just simply call up to wish 
everybody and Merry Christmas. That's very nice. Yeah, say Merry to you Christmas and say hi to your uh, your your family back here in Minnesota for us. Do you think, Joe, before you go, that it was a coincidence that the woman who got that butt plug stuck up her butt looked exactly like Candace? <laughs> I should have looked it up. I didn't see the picture. <laughs> oh, you never saw the picture. <laughs> Actually, she's, she's okay. For the censors like listening from Walzer, mm. this refers to a story Tom read on the morning show about right. some woman <laughs> yeah, this having wasn't and her boyfriend today. doing some adult things that didn't end well let's just put it that way yeah yeah nothing wrong with that story. but if they hadn't know. heard it they wouldn't know what you're talking about it's i like, don't what? care it's their the, you know <laughs> they release cars without asking me joe merry christmas <laughs> <laughs> yeah i forgot about that butt plug story it explains like doc's been so quiet today oh see there you go well, doc catch mark being quiet because of a BP. <laughs> That's cool. Joe, Merry Christmas. Thank you, pal. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good day. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right, Candace, I got to tell you, when we were talking on the morning show this week that you were going to be on Car Selling Secrets, I got, I didn't get bombed with text, but I got quite a few emails and stuff. Um, and they're like, how did she wind up on the morning show? How did she get into radio? So tell your story. I don't think everybody knows. Well, that was oh, me that asked you that. No. How the hell did yeah. she ever get on the morning <laughs> yeah. show? There was somebody named Shelly W. I don't know who that was. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't know. It just kind of happened like magic. But um, you were walking down Elm Street and yeah. somebody abducted you? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to use the bathroom. And a microphone and said, good morning, folks. Yeah, I'm Candace. Top of the morning to <laughs> yeah. you. I don't know that that's how she talks I know. I was kidding. It's really negative. It's the radio voice. You're mean. No, I just interned um, when I was at the U and kind of always wanted to be on the show because I grew up on it. That's probably why I'm so messed up. Mm. Oh. <laughs> well, you're kind of like my oldest stepson who's 24, but he has musical tastes of a 50-year-old. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's all everything he listens to was recorded in 1970 for the most part. Yeah. Not, not entirely, but and that's unusual in your generation. He's like I say, he's, you're what, 30? 30. Okay. So he's a little younger than you, but you guys are close. But, I think that's becoming more and more common, though. Yeah. Is younger people foregoing modern music in favor of older mm-hmm. music? Yeah. Andy, you're starting to sound like an old man. He's <laughs> right, though. You're on thin ice, pal. He's right, though. I mean, because everything right now is so, so produced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, perform live performing is different than it was, and you know. When, Absolutely. When I, yeah. It was really more about the musicianship and stuff back then. Not that that the modern musicians aren't great. Oh, there's but now it's more but... it's performance oriented. It's yep. like the show rather than. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. I just very quickly I just want to mention this to Candace. I, I don't know if you heard Darkness Dave. He was talking about this. He said that most morning shows now you get to talk for three minutes. That's it. You got to go back to music. Really? I guess so. I did not know that, but he said because uh, he, he does interviews around the country. Mm-hmm. So you literally come on for three minutes and then you got to go. Weird. Isn't that odd? Yeah. Why even have a show then? Exactly. Why yeah, even bother real. doing a show? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe they only do that to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, you only get do the Dra- Dave okay. Schrader special. That's your two Three and a half minutes. minutes. Yes, exactly. Get off. Get out. So, so you you've been with the station for twelve years. If you were at the U when you were um, interning, it's, or I 10? think it's ten. I think wow. it's in March. It's ten. It's amazing. Most people don't last that long there. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I feel lucky that I didn't have to bump around and go to other stations. I got, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, that must be great, especially if you grew up listening to the 
the shows and the mm -hmm. station and stuff. That's, yeah. That would that would be weird. Well, you kind of did the same thing, didn't you? Uh, go to KSTP the first yeah. time, yeah, absolutely. KSTP went from 13th to second place in our first year. I will never forget that. Wow. It was uh, well. See, I was very very lucky in that I learned from some of the best in the business. I mean, that, I got very, very lucky there, the Joe Hagers and Chuck Knapps and Steve Hatleys. And you get on the list of all the great people that I worked with. I learned so much that first year. It was unbelievable. you got to tell you this. I get in political fights on Facebook with Chuck Knapp every once in a while. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah, he's a pretty religious guy, isn't he? Yeah, he yeah we don't, we don't argue about religion. It's, it's politics. So. Yeah, but the religion politics has yeah. a connection for him. But he's an interesting cat. He really is. I have not talked to Chuck in years now. I think he's in Florida, I think. Alabama, last I heard. Okay. Maybe he is in Florida now. Who knows? Well, right I learned a lot from he, he and Charlie Bush. There's, I learned a ton from those what guys. What was the best advice that they ever gave you when you were starting? Best advice they ever gave me is basically they told me don't back off because a lot of people's God time you come across really really hard and powerfully and strong and Chuck says nope that's a good thing don't don't even pay anything well first of all you have to understand that most people and I'm not going to name the job title but most people who aren't on the radio at a radio station should not comment on what a radio station sounds you like. you mean program directors. GMs, program directors, salespeople. Yeah, you want me to keep going? You're going to ruin my life. I don't yeah, think this is news to But them. here's what I don't understand. I don't tell them how to do their job. Why would they think they could tell me how to do my job? Because you've never done it. How would you even know that? You know, that's the problem with being either an entertainer or yeah, somebody involved in marketing is yep. that everybody thinks they're an expert because they yeah. own a television and a radio. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. Mm -hmm. you're right. Well, it's like they know what they want to see. Oh, yeah. but they don't know that not everyone wants to see what they want to see. That kind of thing. I'm only saying this in front of him because he knows if it was true. I had to fight like a son of a bitch to get Gelfand on the KQ Morning Show because he didn't sound like a disc jockey. I remember when, uh, uh, Mike, you probably remember, I know you remember this, but this had to be 15 years ago. Paul Walzer was a huge proponent of local radio. He goes, I want one of my stores on every significant morning drive station. It was the idea that, you know, he advertises a group but individually and the rising tide floats all boats. And Alan and I just started working together. The marketing director is now one of my best friends. And Great guy. He came to me, and we had a general manager at our Mazda store. Who was, he's, a, he's a dear friend as well and was a mentor to me when I learned how to run car dealerships. But he's absolutely crazy, and he does this farm kid <laughs> shtick from Cannon Falls where he grew up. Guy named Jack Lucking, sure, very different uh, lifestyle and personality than Mike Gelfand. So Alan says, and, and not we... the traditional car dealer no. guy either. What if we put Mike and <laughs> and uh, Jack Lucking on the radio together? And That's I said, great. it's either going to be the biggest effing disaster ever, <laughs> or it'll just be wonderful. Yep. And, and mm -hmm. interestingly enough, they became friends and they did a lot of stuff. We were oh, we making videos time. for social media 15 years ago with these two guys. Mike, Jack was teaching Mike how to sell cars, and Brittany was the, she was 17 or something like that. Yeah, she, she was. was she was, she was the customer in the movie, and Mike's, oh, Mike's hitting on her. <laughs> no, <laughs> Mike funny. hitting on Brittany? Who ever heard <laughs> of that? Pretty funny. Hey, 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 be careful there, Brittany. Um, remember, I'm friends with the entire family. Yes, I understand. Including her mom and dad. I know. And, uh, no, I, I I was always kind of protective toward Brittany, but you now, were, of course, yeah. she's yep. protecting me, so in my old age. But, no, 
great people, all, all great people to work with. And, yep. uh, yeah, yep. you know, Jack and I, well, you know, it's, it's the old story uh, as, you know, if you're, we had such a great time and it's the old story that if you love what you're doing, you'll, you'll never work a day in your life. Actually, it was, uh, I think it was Jeffrey Dahmer who first said that. I think that's who it was, <laughs> most definitely. I knew there was something coming. I was just like, uh, when, did, when should I yelp duck? We have a tire carver on the phone now. Tire carver. Thanks for the caramels. No problem. That's what we make them for. I got to eat to one. The kids ate all the other. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, go quick. Uh, just wanted to call in and wish everybody uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and safe travels to those people that are uh, not hanging around this uh, wonderful place when the verdict's uh, read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> since, there I, you go. since I live five blocks from the police station in question. You do. Oh, do you really? <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, that's got to be a fun yeah. place to live. So, do uh, they I'm not have looking it? forward to 1:30 right now. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere. That, do they? Do you know? Do they have barricades around the uh, precinct? Oh yeah, they're still up. They never took them down. Oh, they. So they've I been up since last morning. spring or whenever oh. it happened. Summer, I guess it was. Yeah, since April. God, yeah, when, when it turned into a shithole. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I read somewhere it was it was when we went. I, and I can't remember. Do you go on daylight savings in November or off it? Uh, spring forward, fall back. That's all I remember. Off. Yeah. Okay. So it was the weekend we went off, and and somebody posted a meme that said, "Oh, great, we get an extra hour for 2021. That's like getting a bonus track on a Yoko Ono record." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's I a thought pretty it was good pretty line. Funny. I'll be. I for one will be glad when this year is over. It's been That's what very stressful about for a lot of people, and they're like, "Oh, I can't wait for 2021." Oh yeah, yeah 2020. So we'll right. see, won't we? Yeah, indeed. I feel good about it. I feel like it's going to be a good year. Good. Get some good well, positive nowhere to go but up. energy. You might energy. as well leave now because this is the <laughs> I hate Christmas and we're crabby and hate no, everybody I show. No, I do not hate Christmas. I love Christmas. You liar. Okay, sorry. <laughs> liar. Lying, Doug. Anyway, we were all going to be watching that. For those that don't know, uh, we got a text from Mike Bryant, and apparently it's out in the media that they'll, the jury will be making some sort of announcement at 1.30 today, or the, probably the judge more properly, I would yeah, assume. Yeah, probably true. But the way they stated it is, is interesting. Uh, the, a conclusion rather than a verdict. A conclusion. Yeah. But they do say now uh, on this website, verdict reached. That's what this one says. So yeah, some that. are saying verdict reached, but apparently the actual wording was that they've reached an outcome. So, okay, outcome, okay. That's a, yeah. So, Mike, what do you so think I, that is? This could, be, this could be something that I think we all would like to see, which is it might be very anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There couldn't be a better outcome than that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, especially yeah. if you live five blocks from the police from station. The police station, yes, exactly. Uh, it's, you know, when it's 15 uh-huh. degrees outside, I think there's a lot less to worry about. That's, That's true, true yeah. Yep, you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. Gee, is that Santa on the roof? No, honey, it's gunfire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly it. Tyra, say hello to your whole family for me, if you would. You are the nicest people in the world. I appreciate it. Will do. Have a good one, guys. You too. Merry Christmas, Tire Carver, ladies and gentlemen. Every year he brings in boxes of homemade caramels and drops them off oh, here. Are there any left? F- Not no. here. <laughs> They've been gone for a week. <laughs> do have a uh, short story about those caramels, though. Dave Schrader comes in yesterday, 
And I said, Harry, uh, how did you like the caramels? Tire Carver brought them in. You brought them home. And he said, oh, yeah, my dog loved them. <gasps> he but fed them to the dog? What? No, the dog no. fed them to himself. Uh-oh. Jumped up on the uh, counter, baby. Knocked <laughs> it all down and ate every last one. <laughs> Jumped up Don't on the counter. Don't get any ideas, Gigi. Yeah, Gigi. No caramel eating. <laughs> you can't eat chocolate either. Get away from the chocolate. Mm-hmm. It's not chocolate good for puppies. Good. No. Okay, I know something about you that I that I think is curious and people I want to learn. I told you not to bring that part up. No, not the <laughs> medication part. The other thing. No. Um, no. Did you have you really started a Sabbath tribute band? Yes. So we just yeah. recorded a, a video. Did you to, really? Yeah. So. And what's the name of the band? Sabotage. Sabotage. Mm-hmm. And if people yeah. wanted to see this video, where would they go other than to your house? <laughs> well, and we're I probably going to be posting it soon. Oh, you haven't posted yeah, it yet. No. Okay. So, so is it shot, but you're doing editing and doing post. Stuff? Yeah, yeah. Got a lot of talented people in the band that know how to do all that stuff. So I can just kick back. So how did you did you find them on Craigslist, or how did you find a them? couple, and then um, a couple through other people, and tried out a couple people that didn't work out, and you know that whole thing. So. So yeah. next summer when they do the KQ River Cruise, is it going to be, oh, that'd be interesting. instead of those <laughs> losers I in mean... Funhouse? I shouldn't say that. I, I, like, I, no, I think those like guys them. are great. They're perfect. They're great. For they, are. they are really good. If, if you don't know what we're talking about, every, every year uh, KQ hosts a uh, Back to the 80s riverboat party, and it's... Uh, We've Sarah and I have gone the last two years in a row, and it's fun to meet everybody, and everybody's dressed up in costume. It's a local band that just plays great 80s and 90s covers. They're very talented. And, but my favorite thing, and I got to do it again, was hang out with the owner of that, the Paddleford, who was the riverboat captain. Captain, right. Bob, and He's just a really interesting guy. Yep. We are talking business and PPP loans, and in the meantime, he's driving 250 feet of riverboat with a 1,000 people on it with one hand smoking a cigarette. <laughs> well, there this is This guy's that. just cool as a cucumber. So anyway. There is that. So what? how did you decide to start the... Tell us how the band got started. What well, was the process? I feel like I can only sing Ozzy Osbourne. That's the only person I can mimic with my voice. So Not really singing. But... Right. He's more like yelling. That's, <laughs> exactly. that's why it works. Um, so I tried to do it a few years ago and it just totally didn't work out. I had to go through like three different drummers and just kind of gave up. It wasn't the right time. Oh, yeah. So I thought I would just try again and then it, it, it was the right time. So yeah, putting a band together is not easy. I mean, you yeah. need, you need the blend of personality and ability. Mm-hmm. You can have great players that are just total a-holes and then right. it's miserable, or you can have the nicest people in the world that don't have enough rhythm to, I'm not going to quote Martin Mall, do it off the air. Uh, you get the point. You know, they're great people, but they can't play. Yeah. So you need to find a blend of the two. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after these exciting announcements with more uh, from Candace's Record Room on Car Can I do one thing before we go? No. If you must. My favorite, da- did you already turn it off? No. We're on. My favorite Dan, Dan Aykroyd bit on Saturday Night Live is when he playing both the AM and FM disc jockey. I've never saw that. Oh, God, it's phenomenal. He's got two microphones, he goes. Make sure you call in now, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, K-Rock. K-Rock, call in right now. We're going to give you a free Slurpee at your local 7-Eleven if you call in right now. So he goes off that one, hops on the FM mic, and he goes, so he, he's going, so call in right now and win that 7-Eleven Slurpee. Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was phenomenal. All right, remember, take it. remember Tom, the guy, the guy who worked. Uh, I think he worked overnights, and uh, 
I remember it was like the first week or two that I was on the show. Remember that horrible time when I had to come in at 5.30? I do remember. I was clinically depressed for like four years after that. Well, openly weeping, but other than that, it was all right. Openly weeping, yes. <laughs> and so I come in one day at 5.30, and this guy, uh, this is a long time ago, um, and this guy is uh, hes uh, talking to uh, someone on the phone. And he's saying, oh, you know, uh, well, I'll meet you at Perkins about uh, 7 a.m. How's that sound? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, and he said, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay, baby, I'll see you then. And then uh, and then he's got to go back on the air and he says, and now for some more swashbuckling rock and roll. Okay, I know exactly who you're talking about, baby. Swashbuckling. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. I think you'd get fired for that. All right, we'll be back more with the Christmas Suck Show with Mike Gelfan and the Optimists. Christmas Suck Show? <laughs> Good God! Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com. That's shift, the number two, sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. If you were like me and constantly finding yourself in weight loss mode, I have great news. Continuum is here. It's new and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They're upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation. Find out more today. Simply go to their website, Continuum Weight weightwellbeing.com or call or text them at 952-491-6527 and catch the Continuum team on my podcast on Thursdays, 11.15 a.m. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. Hey, Katie. Tell me 
something good. Walzer Automotive Group's Christmas show with Gigi on lead vocals. Just like Mama. Just like Mama. She's a little fired up. Put me on the mic. I got some stories to tell you. Okay, let me ask you another. This will be. This is the my. She a Bijon? Maltese. Oh, Maltese. Yep. They're very similar. Yep. Both have real hair. Don't shed. And they both like to Good talk. Good dogs, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Schmoozers. They are schmoozers. <laughs> okay. All right, Candace, I've got another question for you. What's your favorite thing again. about working with Tom? <laughs> well, I can't. Oh. I look at the this is awkward. Jesus, why me? Because <laughs> I get to laugh. Good. Ha-ha. Blow it out your ass over there. I was I. You couldn't do what you guys do for a living and not have fun. I think mm-hmm. it would just be a miserable uh, job otherwise, right? The last 36 right? years not been that great. Oh, right. <laughs> Whatever. You look forward to it every day. Think about those two weeks of forced isolation. That's what life is like for you well, without radio. Well, I had radio. COVID, so I was well, not I know feeling you had, I wasn't saying that you were derelicting your duty. Yes, I'm just you saying did. it's probably the longest time in your career that you haven't worked, right? That's a fact. Yeah, okay. yeah it's true. So what, how much fun was that? No, it was not fun at all. Yeah, very he did not that like was it. Not fun at all. He was driving out to our house to drop off like pasta dishes just to have something to do. Just to have something to do. Because <laughs> oh I can sit in the car by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, don't bother. I'm, I'll go and get the mail exactly. for you. Exactly. Yeah. I'll get it. I'll be there in an hour and a half. <laughs> no, it is weird. I mean, look, that actually is the longest I've had off since I was probably 11. Yeah. I started working when I was 11 years old. I've never taken off. Yeah, a I was couple 14 of weeks. when I started working. Jesus, it's a long time. And now what am I? What am I like? 45. Again, Something around there. What are you laughing at, down there, <laughs> sister? You know what the sad thing about that is? I said, "What am I? 45?" Then I realized in my head, as I was saying it, even if I took 50 percent more and added it, it's still not high enough. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's, That's the impressive. problem. It's the 25th anniversary of your 45th birthday. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. No, I, I got to imagine that it's, I imagine, every, you know, every job has its stresses and stuff and things aren't always perfect. But I also would think that what you guys get to do every day, most people don't get to do that for a living. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you should like, be happy. Uh, lose a lot of sleep uh, for 25 years. Yes, like that. It's not very good for people that like to stay up super late, no. though. Morning radio is no, maybe not no, a great no, job no, for people yeah, well, like that. You know, and, and, and the other thing is you really don't, you, some people don't really believe this, but Take it from me, you don't really get to decide when you can sleep. No, I can't. That's the flaw here. Yeah, no, I and agree. I know, Tom, you've you, you, you probably, it's probably been a long time since you've actually had, say, two good nights of sleep consecutively. Well, I'll just give you the last two nights, okay? So last mm-hmm. night I went to bed at 7 o'clock, and I woke up this morning at uh, quarter to 3. Yeah. And the night before that, I went to bed at 8 o'clock and woke up at midnight. Yeah. Mm. And I could not get back to sleep. I was screwed. It was terrible. So it's that second day that you just can't achieve. Yep. You're right. You're absolutely right. Before, when I was working as a mental health counselor, this is the beginning of the end of the health care benefits for mentally ill people in the U.S. back in the 80s. They started cutting staff back, and so that meant I was on a rotating schedule, and there were three shifts in a hospital typically, 7 to 3, uh, 3 to 11, and 11 to 7. I was rotating shifts, so I was on three different shifts in the oh. same week. After yeah, a month work. of that, I didn't know. But I, a couple of times I woke up at 4 in the morning, panicked because I thought it was late to work, and I yeah. was halfway to the hospital, and it's like, it's 
quarter to five. Like, you don't have to be there until <laughs> eleven o'clock tonight. Yeah. It was just it was yeah. terrible. Weird. But yeah, you're right. Terrible. I mean, you can't force yourself. You know, if you're if you're wired a certain way, it's really hard to to fight that. I, I set my alarm one day for five a.m. Oh. Kind of bad when I'm going to sleep at maybe 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But I, I couldn't go to sleep any earlier. I didn't want to be up. It's just just the way my brain was wired. So, but uh, unfortunately, uh, I had uh, apparently I had set the alarm for 5 p.m. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. sure, sure. So, but you know how it is. You know how it is. Like you suddenly you suddenly like bolt awake and you say, "Oh my God, I got to get to work!" Right? Yes. So. Uh, that didn't happen, uh, and I woke <laughs> yes. up at uh, I woke up about eight hours later. So I only missed work by you know seven hours. Sure. So I called up Dave, our our uh, erstwhile program director and and uh, and genius programmer, and uh, called him up about four p.m. <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, Hey, uh, uh, I I just woke up. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. And uh, he was very understanding. He said, That's okay. We'll just dock you a vacation day. Oh, that was cold. <laughs> that but was he didn't cold. because we never, didn't have vacation days. Yes, that was that's the right. beauty of it. Yep. We just it was all sort of spontaneous. Oh no, I'm sorry you came in, but you're not working this week. <laughs> God, what a world! Honest to God, what it's the best job I ever had, but it was a little bit disorganized. Sometimes. No, my job's not disorganized at all. You know what? I, I, I got to ask Candace this question. And not that you know the answer, but you're the only one from the other, other one from the show here. I have never heard a morning show before anywhere in America where the host asks a question and nobody answers. How does that happen? I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> I go, so what do you think? Well, sometimes you you give us like a millimeter of a second to answer, and That's, then you're like, you got to answer right this second. Yes, you do. Well, when, when, we don't need Candace, dead air. <laughs> what? Candace, when you said, I don't know, I, I just assumed you were being ironic. <laughs> I was. Yes, exactly. I don't know. I, well, she was being I ironic. Was. She just wouldn't have said anything at all. True. So. Honest to God, what De- a dead air does drive you. I don't know if you remember oh, this, but I think it was the first year that I was doing this podcast, and you were in Florida, but the rest of us were up. And it was in the old small studio, and we went on break. And I said, "Hey, when we come back, and Tom starts oh, yeah. talking, nobody say oh, anything." Oh my God, I thought he was gonna die. I hate that so much. <laughs> I know you flow, do. Flow is a nice thing. Like a, this right. show's flowing nicely yeah. here. Well, no, but, I mean, after nine years, you figure it out. Well, how about after 36 years? Like, you figure it out then, well, After too? 36 years, you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> you forget how to do it, exactly. Yeah, but if you get more than two or three seconds of dead air in a radio station, I've learned from that oh, from watching it you. It's not have good. you ever heard the alarms go off? No. Mm-hmm. They have dead air alarms in radio yeah, stations. They do, yeah. It's like 10 seconds or some ungodly yeah, long amount of time. I think it's seven seconds. You know, yeah. Moon, who is it, <laughs> a Moon. good friend, and he's just, it's like, I. He must have been something else in the day. Oh God! But he—they had one of those. But for some reason, he switched it over to the weather alert warning Ooh, system, oh, and he triggered it at KSTP, oh. and it went out on the TV and the radio station. Oh God! That's <laughs> had, not good. News. He had no idea what's on the air. That is not so, good news. Nice job, Larry. We got Wendy on the phone now. Wendy, Wendy, calling in. What do you want? Oh, good. Oh. What do I want? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Do 
Gigi, get just Wendy. Just wish everybody a very, get Merry Wendy. Christmas and a Happy New Year. And just tell us if you were hopping on flying. I'm not flying anywhere. Mm, I am. That's, yeah. I guess the, well, we got calls this morning that I guess MSP this morning at like 4 a.m. was jammed with yeah. people. Oh, well, yeah. I guess you couldn't even move at the airport. No, you don't want to fly just before Christmas. No, you, you don't. fly after, but yeah, not before. I will be home for Christmas. So, Wendy, get a pellet smoker. You know, until we, like, reconfigure the backyard, I don't have room for one. They are okay. cute. The proper ones are gigantic. Are they? Yeah. We were shot, swapping well, recipes I, I on Facebook the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're kind of out of room on the deck. I, I need my husband to reconfigure the deck and, like, pour some cement down underneath it, and then we can do it. Well, okay. tell him to get to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can you even pour cement when it's below freezing like you'd think it would freeze instead of cure uh, no no you are correct yeah uh, pouring cement right now is not one of the options I, well, actually, I think that they can, but you have to have like electric like blankets to go on. It's oh, just God, a yeah. huge pain in the ass, and the ground's frozen, so you yeah. have to deal with that as well. Mm-hmm. So if it's a, a home well, improvement yeah, project, you have to get one of those. You get this thing that uh, oh, my my husband, my family does excavating, so uh, yep. yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do to get like ground warmers and like frost busters, mm-hmm. but. It's right. really, honestly, not worth the hassle unless yeah. you have to. So, all right. Well, anyway, when you get the slab poured, then go to get yourself a pellet smoker. It'll change your life because I know you love to cook like I do. So, I know. I don't think it's going to take a lot of pushing to get my husband to do it if he knows that there's a smoker mm-hmm. coming. Yeah. So, he likes it when I cook just as much as I like to cook. So we're all good. Yeah, it's, it's a good match. Catherine's a hell of a cook, too. You, you don't want me anywhere near the kitchen. And then, and then certain people can come over and, like, enjoy dinner sometimes. Yes, Candace? Yes. Yeah, I want to come make pasta again. That was so fun. Nope, you're out. <laughs> Did you make it from scratch? Really yeah. That's a blast. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, you're not making it out in the kitchen, Matt. No, you don't. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't, uh, I take it, is the candy I brought the other day all gone? Yeah, oh, yeah. where's the peanut brittle, boys? Yeah, where's the gone. peanut brittle? Who took the peanut brittle? Probably Schrader. Oh, I brought it home so I could bring it to uh, all the places we're going in the next two days. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah there you go. Yeah. It I'm going to be passing Can out around the entire house, or the entire state, basically. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'll teach you how to make something. Okay. It's really not as hard as you think. Wendy, did you make the chocolates, too? Yeah. God, they're good. They're terrific. Thank you. It's all true. Not yeah, I love that. I just looked at I it. I didn't like, have it. I, <laughs> I love I it. I mean, I, I totally, like, I suck at, like, painting and drawing and stuff like that. So put me in a kitchen and I can really, I can really go to town and create some magic. Yeah, well, look at my situation. I have no talent other than to BS people. That's it. That's my only talent in the, in the world. Sad. Yeah, well, thanks for saying, no, that's not true, Tom. You're also good at... No, trust me. I, my dad has that same 
ability, and that is something that you really can't truly learn. That is no. true. That it's is. innate. It's yep. in you. And if you do it well, you can really have a good life. If you don't do it well, you go to jail. Well, if you don't do it, either go to jail or you have to work with Candace. One of <laughs> those is, two. Which is worse. Which is worse than going to prison. Exactly. No. No. Don't be so hard. Don't be so hard on yourself. Trust me. If people thought the show was a mess, they wouldn't listen. That's very, very true. People yeah, listen because it is a mess. That's what makes it fun. That's true. It's like the view. Yeah. Except it's, no one watches the view. Yeah, it's not really like the view at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no really. it's really not. Oh, no. Well, no, Wendy, you yeah. dumpster fire hot now. Have a very happy Merry Christmas and a happy New Year. And uh, as always, great to hear from you. Absolutely. You too. You guys have a wonderful holiday and, uh, you know, happy belated Hanukkah with Mr. Galvan. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank well, you do you much. actually celebrate That's Hanukkah? Oh, Gilles no. Here we go. No. Um, See you, Wendy. <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> Bye-bye. Living, you know, I, my my wife is not Jewish, mm-hmm. and uh, while she's not especially observant, as as we people would say, um, of course, when the when the kids were young, we we always had a uh, a Christmas tree, but we also lit the menorah. So mm-hmm. my my dream, which never came true, was that when the holidays coincided, the menorah would set off a fire and the Christmas tree would go up and, <laughs> and kill all the children. Well, and I would just goals. be done. Well, well that was not Other part of that. it. But but what, what was part of it was that uh, I'd be done with both, you know. So, because because both holidays, I, I, I actually enjoyed Christmas as much as Hanukkah. I mean, Hanukkah's not really much of a religious holiday anyway. No. no. But... Um, uh, being a depressive, I never looked forward to that that horrible period afterwards. Well, okay, that's done. Now we got to make it to April. Pretty much true. You're right about that. They tried to throw in Easter there, and uh, sometimes yeah. it comes in March, and that doesn't work. No. Well, there's the Super Bowl. That there's a temporary solace yeah. from that. Mm-hmm. But as long as you got kids around, of course, every, every day is a oh, holiday. Wait, wait, anyway. You got eel pout days. You must have celebrated. Oh, I want to go to eel pout. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and my friend Andrea and her um, up up where moon dances, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What what eel pout day is? Well, they, you know, my a, friend. Go ahead, Mike. My friend Neil Carlin's dad was was ice fishing. He's a Jewish doctor. Was, was ice fishing until he was ninety. Well, there had to be one. Yeah, that's it. I never heard of another elderly or any Jew who went ice fishing. No. He did. No. I always thought it was invented by a Minnesotan that was mad at his wife, rolled over in the middle of the night and said to himself, I'd rather be in a box on a frozen lake than sleeping next to you. Well, i got to have a reason to do it. I get it. I'll cut a hole in the ice and stick a fishing line in there. And then if carbon monoxide kills me, well, so be yeah, it. That's right. It is I'll be ahead. It's a nice way to go, I hear. What a depressing show. <laughs> well, you're the host. Well, especially in light of that. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, I know personally know people that have died from carbon monoxide uh, poisoning. Oh, God, the uh, little, the seven-year-old girl that died with her parents in Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. Her mom was an ER physician at uh, Hennepin General and a friend of Charlie and Ellen oh. Swenson's. Oh, God. I, and oh. so 
this poor family in Moorhead, they just, you know, they finally yeah, announced that yeah. it was carbon monoxide poisoning. These guys, five years ago, made it out of Honduras, which is one of the shitholes in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Negative. Well, it is. I mean, that's, you know, when you talk about the migrant crisis at the border, a lot of them are really, it's not, it's not coming out of Mexico, which is relatively no. stable. Yeah. It's out of the triangle. So they make it all the way to Moorhead, Minnesota, and die of carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, it's just... I know. Yeah. So is it... Ha- goes, goes along with the rest of the show about life isn't fair and things suck. Merry Christmas, by the yeah, way. Exactly. So it's, is it, it's not an instant thing. It just progresses over time, or is it... No, it happens instant? pretty quickly. Yeah. So the problem with carbon monoxide is humans can't detect it. It doesn't smell like mm-hmm. anything, but it replaces yeah. the oxygen in your brain, mm-hmm. so you die of oxygen oh God, deprivation. You typically, out. you fall asleep and die. I mean, it's not... If you had to pick ways to go, that would be better There's than burning ways, to death, yeah. for example. But it's still, yeah. I mean, it's so, the unfairness of life sometimes does get to me. Yeah. It's like, God, seven people, and they've made it, and they're living the dream, and, well, maybe not more ahead yeah. Minnesota, but you get it. It's better than, get, you know, fighting gang violence and the triangle, and I don't know. Well, we have a fourth caller. I don't know who it is, but maybe they can uh, cheer things up a little bit. I, they don't have a damn chance today. <laughs> Good luck. Who are you and what do you want? I am Grant from Sartell. Hey, how are things in lovely Sartell? Uh, at the moment, I don't know. I work in St. Paul. Oh, okay. So you're, <laughs> you drive from Saint, Sartell down to St. Paul every day. That's a, that's a haul. Yeah, the work pays for the gas, so it ain't too bad. Okay, you can well, probably yeah. commute with Michael Bryant. Yeah, because he yeah, drives St. Cloud every day. And he does. Or most days, anyway. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Michael Bryan, I, I always thought it was uh, pretty interesting, that Saber commercial with Dell fans, how he says they're the largest Bryant dealer. I figured that would be Michael Bryan. Nope. Just a coincidence. It was. I'm, I'm just reading the copy. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, exactly. I'm just stunned somebody was paying attention to Mike's ad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> a shot to the nuts. <laughs> well... And by that, I mean the mix. Well, one of the first things I wanted to say was uh, congratulations to Andy on the baby boy. Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you. And then uh, you're going to enjoy the Christmas with him, I'm very sure. Yep. He already, he loves the Christmas tree, even though he's uh, barely able to focus his eyes. It's the first thing he ever, like, liked. Well, that's wonderful. Yep. Um, And then a Merry Christmas as well to everyone else. But I was also calling to uh, give a, a rather entertaining car story of my first car, if you'd like to hear it. Oh, Love to. Got to get, get better one than better than Candace's. <laughs> I had a maroon Taurus well, in Richfield. Well, that's the main reason I'm calling. Candace can use it as her own if she'd like. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Like in, the, in the unlikely event she's ever invited back. I'm kidding. Oh. I'm kidding. Did you hear that, Gigi? Get him. No, no, Gigi. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, get him, Gigi. <laughs> um, well, my first car was an 88 Buick. And I had to pay for it eventually with my own money. I was working with my dad. He was a remodeler. And I had it for two weeks total. And then it was totaled. Because I have a, thanks to my mom, I have a rule in my car. Everybody must wear a seatbelt or the car doesn't go. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's strange how it won't even turn on. But <clears throat> we were uh, driving through St. Cloud, and uh, I had two buddies in the car with me, one in the passenger seat, and one guy was sitting in the center in the back seat. 
And the guy in the back seat, as we were getting ready to take a right turn, says that there's a car full of young gals that were giving him the eye, and they mm. cut over two lanes <laughs> to follow us. So naturally, as a 16-year-old boy, I, I figured they wanted us. I was well, of course, smart. you know, because young chicks really dig Buick drivers. Oh, pretty documented. Maybe, yeah. maybe an '88. Hey, it was like a powder blue. It was a good color. <laughs> yeah, oh, nice. yeah, there you go. Very rare, collectible. And uh, so I'm getting ready to turn into a parking lot to the left, and uh, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, not looking forward, Ooh. and. Wham! He boned at 30 miles an hour oh. by 2,000 neon. Oh, no. Yep, first thing I did was uh, call my dad. I hadn't even had the uh, insurance card in the vehicle yet. It was, it was that new to me. Like, we had insurance, but the card hadn't been delivered yet. <laughs> and uh, first thing my dad did was call his insurance agent as soon as our you know, that accident was obviously on the insurance, but after that, he cut me from his insurance immediately to make sure his insurance didn't go up too high. Damn. <sighs> uh, teenage boys are the uh, single most uh, expensive to insure people oh, I bet. on the planet. Yeah. For, oh, for just that reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with the insurance companies uh, charging men or boys up to 25, until age 25, more for insurance than female. Mm -hmm. It's all statistics. It yeah, it's all stats. There's yep. nothing. They know exactly what they're about. doing. Well, thanks for calling in. We're about to wrap up. Young uh, driver. Drive safely back to Sartell, and if you celebrate, Merry Christmas. And again, thanks for calling into the show. I got one last trick question to Candace, if it'd be all right. What's up? How do you put up with them boys? <laughs> well, they pay me. Well, she has her attack, <laughs> she has her attack dog in studio. She gets money from the state. <laughs> yeah. Money from the state. Brand, thanks for calling in. Merry Christmas, pal. Yeah, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you on Monday with the family.